Welcome to Live Your Full Life Now podcast. I'm so excited that you guys decided to continue uh, joining me on this uh, teaching of learning about the power of the words that we speak and what kind of influence they have in our lives. And I think it's it's great. If, if you already know about it, I think it's a great refreshing um, subject, but it, it's something that we need to be reminded of all the time because I think as for me, we tend to forget and kind of fall back into our old habits. So I think it's really important for us to be reminded how powerful our words are. Um, I promised you guys that I'm going to share some stories from the Bible about how uh, how the words that were spoken affected that situation. So I have a few stories that I want to share with you guys. I'm not sure if I would be able to share them all in one teachings. It might take me another teaching to finish the stories that I want to share with you guys. But I'm going to start with the story of Jesus talking to a fig tree and cursing the tree. And this is in uh, obviously in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. But I'm going to read uh, read it from the Gospel of John. and the, I'm sorry, Gospel of Mark. And this is in Mark 11, verses 12 through 25. Uh, please feel free to read the whole thing. Uh, but I'm just going to kind of be jumping around so I can summarize this passage. Um, So verse 12 says, the next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Um, And then it just goes on into the other events that took place after that. But then I'm going to jump to verse 22. Um, Actually, verse 20. Um, Well, no, maybe verse 19. It says, when evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered have faith in god jesus answered truly i tell you if anyone says to this mountain go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes that what they say will happen it will be done for them therefore i tell you whatever you ask for in prayer believe that you have received it and it will be yours so you guys isn't it odd that Jesus speaks to a tree? <laughs> I mean, that's the first thing that came to my mind when I read this for the first time. But he spoke to a tree for a reason, and something happened after he spoke to a tree. He pretty much cursed it, and uh, the next day they saw that the whole tree is dried up. Like it, it, it sounds like the minute he cursed it, it started, it, it died from the root, and but the effects of it probably took a day to show. Um, you know, and the branches and leaves and all that. Um, so when they ask him, they say, look, you cursed this tree and now it's dead. They're kind of like astonished by that. And what does Jesus tell them? He says, have faith in God. <laughs> and then he says, um, if anyone says to the mountain, go through, you guys know this, this is a famous saying, go throw yourself on the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they say it will happen. It will, it will be done for them again. There's that relationship between what we truly believe in our heart and what we say, right? Something gets accomplished, whether it's good or bad, that's what's going to happen. 
Um, so that's one example. And for the ones that are wondering, why would Jesus curse at fig tree? Well, because this fig tree, apparently when um, the leaves are on a fig tree, there should also be the fruit. So that's a sign that the fruit is there. So if the fruit is not there, there should not have been any leaves. So it was kind of like, a, you know, uh, I don't know, this tree wasn't uh, supposed to just have leaves on it and no fruit. Um, and honestly, I think it was just more like an example setting for them. So that's the example of Jesus Kurt talking to a fig tree and telling him, whatever you believe in your heart and you say it, it will be done for you. Um, the next story that I want to share with you guys in the Bible is the story of the woman with the issue of blood. Again, this isn't all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I'm going to read it from Matthew. And this is Matthew chapter 9. It says, um, so I'm going to start in verse 18. It says, while he was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, my daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him and so did his disciples. Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. So um, the point that I'm bringing up this passage is the woman, right, who was healed from what she was suffering for 12 years because the scripture says that she said to herself, I wonder how many times she said this. She said to herself, if only I touch his cloak, I will be healed. She truly believed that in her heart, that if she only gets close enough to Jesus and touches the edge of his cloak, she will be healed. Now, where did she get that from? Where did she learn that? The Bible doesn't talk about that, but I'm assuming she probably heard stories about him from friends, neighbors, cousins, relatives, people she know. They came and told her, this is what we saw, that Jesus heals people and people that touch him, they're healed. So that formed a belief in her. She heard it enough that it formed a belief in her. And now it was her mission in life to let me just go find him and touch his cloak and I'll be healed. And that's exactly what happened. Another passage talks about this story, but says it a different way. It says that um, Jesus turned around and told his disciples, who touched me? And at that time, there was like hundreds of people pressuring, pressing against him to be healed. And his disciples said, what do you mean who touched you? There's a lot of people touching you. Uh, and he said, no, uh, power went out from me. So he said, somebody touched me in a way that they received their healing because of their faith, power left, power went out from me and healed them. In other words, God's power is available for those who have the faith for it and they use it, right? They believe it and they say it according to his will and they receive it. They, re they receive the result of their faith and what they say. So that's another great example in the Bible of the words we speak. But again, it's connected to what we believe in our hearts. It's connected to our faith. Um, the next story is the story of uh, David and Goliath. This is a famous story, which uh, even non-believers have heard it. Um, so I'm sure most of you guys know the story of David and Goliath. But just to refresh your memory, I'm going to read some scriptures just to remind you what the story was about. Uh, and this is in 1 Samuel 17. And I want to read you guys some verses. 
from 1 Samuel 17. And <clears throat> so I'm going to start in verse 17 and probably jump around so um, I can get my point across. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so the story basically is there's the nation of Israel and Saul is the leader of the nation of Israel. And then they have their enemies, Philistine, and they're like two camps on, on, you know, two hills across from each other, ready for battle. Um, so that's kind of a, a very summarized version of it. But I'm going to read some scripture that probably will shed more light into that. So verse 17 says, Now the Philistine gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes, Damon, between Soko and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistine. The Philistines occupied one hill and Israelites another with the valley between them. So you guys can you you guys get the point? Well, they're kind of across from each other on one hill are is the nation of Israel and on, on the other hill are the Philistines and their enemies, okay? Now, it says a champion named Goliath who was from Gath came out of the Philistine camp. His height was 6 cubits and a span. And then it talks about all about his um the helmet that he had, his um, the, the bronze helmet on his head, uh, a coat of pretty much the armor that he was wearing, um, a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he had bronze greaves, uh, a bronze javelin. Anyway, this guy was completely covered with his armor. But not only that, he's a giant. He's not a normal person. Um, I think I read somewhere that he was anywhere like, um, like seven to nine feet tall or something like that. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. Anyway, so he's not only a giant, he has all this armor um, that he, that's protecting him. So Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me if he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if we overcome him and kill him, no, I'm sorry, it says if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So this giant is coming out every day. And he's bullying them. He's screaming and yelling like, you know, we're going to defeat you. Just send me one. And then he makes this deal. He says, send me someone to fight with me. Like, who do they have as, as big and as, you know, a giant like him to fight him? They don't have anybody like him, right? And, and Saul was a tall person, but definitely not as big as, as giant as uh, Goliath. He, Goliath was not an ordinary human being. Um, so then what happens is, it goes on and talks about that Jesse, his three sons were pretty much in this, you know, they followed Saul to the war. So they pretty much like kind of are like they're in his army. But Jesse had the his youngest son was David, who was a shepherd. And he was not, you know, in the, in the army of Saul. But his dad sent him to like, go bring me some news, take this food to your brothers. So while um, David goes, he kind of, he overhears these other uh, soldiers talking about that there is a reward that Saul has offered that anybody who 
um, who fights this Goliath and overcomes him, there is a prize. So David hears about that. And um, the, so the prize, it says, the king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. So it sounds like a great prize, right? So David hears that, and then now he's all of a sudden he's interested to fight Goliath. Now remember, David is just a shepherd boy. Uh, you know, <laughs> he's he's probably in his teens, and um, but all of a sudden he's interested in fighting this Goliath, and he has this confidence that he can. So he goes to Saul, and he's like, "Let me go fight him." And um, and verse 32 says, "Let no one lose heart on the account of this Philistine." Your servant will go and fight him. So Saul replies, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. And he has been a warrior from his youth. He's like, what are you talking about? You can't fight him. Uh, but David insists, you know, David now talks about, he's like, listen, in my father's house, I'm a shepherd, but I have in wilderness, I have fought lions and bears and God has delivered them into my hands. And like they've come to take in my sheep, to take my sheep, and I've fought them and I've won. So he has this um, confidence about himself that not, that not through himself, but through God helping him, he can fight Goliath, right? He's like bold and courageous because of the experience that he has in the past and because of the faith that he has in God and the experience that he's had with God helping him before. Um, so in verse 36 says, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living Lord. The Lord who rescued me from the paws of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. So he's saying, I've, if I've been able to kill a bear and a lion, I can come against this guy because it was God who helped me and it's God who's going to help me again. So anyway, Saul like doesn't argue with him too much. He tries to give him his armor and obviously they're too big for him. And David is like, I can't even, I can't wear these. Um, so guess what? He has a slingshot and he's, he's going to go fight Goliath with his slingshot. That's all he has. But look at his attitude and the way he thinks, what he believes and what he says. So um, Goliath obviously sees David and verse 46, 42 says, um, well, let me start from 41. It says, meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and to the wild animals. So Goliath is probably just, you know, thinking, are they crazy? Like <laughs> they're sending a little boy to fight me. So David said to Philistine, okay, you guys pay attention to the words that David is using. It says, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered there will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's 
and he will give all of you into our hands. So look at his boldness and his courage and how much faith he has that this is God's will for him to fight, that it, he knows that Israel, the, the nation of Israel are God's chosen people. He's on their side and he knows that he's going to help them. And he has this just 100% confidence that he's going to kill this guy. <laughs> you know, no matter that he's five times or who knows how many times he's bigger than me. He's a giant. This guy is a giant, but David is not scared. So um, verse 48 says, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the shield um, sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. So this amazing story just goes to tell you what he believed. He relied on God and he spoke with confidence and he went on full on attack on Goliath and he was able to kill him. Again, he admitted, he said, it's not by sword, it's not by my power but it's by the Lord, he's, uh, he, he reminds him that you guys have defied him, but we're, he's on our side, like God is on our side. So um, that's another great example of um, how David used his word and his faith to overcome a giant. And I think it's good for us to remember when we are faced with giants, we can <laughs> have the boldness that David has and not depend and rely on what we have, our skills and tools, but remember the promises of God and kind of cast it in God's court and say, Lord, this is your battle. Remember, he said, this is not our battle. This is the Lord's battle. Um, and we will, but you can, as a child of God, you can claim victory over whatever giants you're facing. Um, so these were the stories that I wanna, wanted to share with you guys. I know um, some of them are a little long, um, there's a couple more stories that I think it's important to uh, be aware of that are in the Bible. And um, I'm going to share with you guys um, those stories in the next teaching. So until the next teaching, God be with you and God bless you.